Hi, this is Doug Jones. I play Cochise on Falling Skies, but right now you are listening to Berserker Cast. Golden Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Greetings, Earthlings, and interplanetary people. Beings. Of the universe at large. Welcome to Berserker Cast. We are. Who are you? I am Daryl. I was going to say, we are a podcast <laughs> dedicated to oh. the awesome sci fi show Falling Skies on TNT. And I am Daryl. And I am Emily. Thank you so much for joining us this week as yeah. we discuss uh, the premiere of season five the final season the final season the yes. final premiere the final season so a little, bitter, little bittersweet a little bittersweet definitely definitely bittersweet and did you find your warrior this week while watching you the know, show or beforehand i looked i looked really hard yeah and i'm still looking so i'll get back to you on that it's one probably on the bookshelf behind you that's not a bookshelf those are my dvds my bookshelf oh, really? there I'll have to I show see. you them later. We digress. Let's talk about Falling Skies. Let's talk about Alien Overlords. Let's talk about the Second Mass. All kinds of great stuff. But first, let's talk about who wrote and directed this episode. Why don't you tell us, Emily? <laughs> <You're> gonna... <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. You're welcome. So, this was directed by Olatunde Asunami. Asunasami. Asunasami, maybe. I don't know. I I feel really bad. I should have looked that up phonetically before I started trying, but... Mm -hmm. That's why I granted you the privilege. (laughs) I know. He directed quite a few episodes last season. Yeah. And I remember really enjoying the ones that he did. Yeah, Uh, I think he, he either directed the Shoot the Moon or... Um, what was the finale finale called? Uh, Space Oddity? Yeah. yeah. I think it was Shoot the Moon. I think it was the one before because I'm pretty sure Greg Beeman directed the second half of the finale. Okay. Maybe so. And then yeah. our writer, they, f- they flip-flop. So they didn't work on the same episode. So whichever one worked on Space Oddity, the other one worked on Shoot the Moon. But they've both been mm-hmm. very active with the show. Would you, would you like for me to take the writer? I'd, I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> would you? Oh, please do. It's please David, take this weight from me. David Icke. David Icke did it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Who's I, also I, the newest showrunner from last season. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. That sounds right, but I don't don't quote me on that. If that's wrong, blame Emily. If it's right, blame me. Yeah. Blame you if it's right. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so let's get right into the discussion here on, on the episode because it, it is the final season. There's, 
it was just an incredible opening. It picked up right where the where the season left off. You know, you and I talked last week during our kind of uh, our recap of season four and predictions about season five. We wondered. You know, largely, at least in in part, uh, due to Maxim Knight and his growth spurts, how far would the season have jumped between the the way season four wrapped and then now with season five? Uh, Gannon even talked about there being a time jump of some sort, and it seemed like the safe bet, but that turned out not to be the case. Right. Not at all. Not even uh, two days, maybe. <laughs> That's not a time jump. Right. Yeah. Two days is right. what Anne said or or either her. Uh, was, uh, I think it was Anne that said that it was two days. But I yeah. think so. Yeah. Two days. Yeah. Um, but even so, it didn't really seem like Maxim Knight had that much of a growth spurt. So I wonder if they got to filming a lot sooner I wondered that too. You know, we spoke with Doug last season, right around the finale time. Doug Jones, he did our intro mm-hmm. uh, for this episode, and you know, he said that they were going to get right back to it in September, which they did. I remember seeing some tweets about that time that they were back on set, but I don't know if that's earlier than than in the past or not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but either way, it was yeah. it was good, and and I mean, for for the most part, it's. It's one of those things where it's easier to accept like an actor growing faster than if it was a huge plot hole. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine with that. And it's it's fun to see these kids grow up as they do the show too. Yeah, yeah. It did seem like his voice got deeper, which was which was yep. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um but let's let's talk about the uh, the scene there, the opening scene. Tom is I still think he was in space on some sort of spaceship, right? Do you think that's where he was? I I don't know. This is going to be an interesting one to talk about because I first of all, I just want to get your initial reaction to that opening scene when when it was revealed that Rebecca was standing in front of him and that's who he was talking to. Mm-hmm. What was your first thought? Oh, my first thought was that he was he, he was his mind was being played with. He was he was dreaming or he was being shown. I didn't think he was dreaming. I thought he was being shown a projection. Uh, something mm-hmm. was fooling his perception of reality because the mirror okay. showed the alien life form. But what he saw was Rebecca. So for me, I thought he's in space on the spaceship that we saw um, at the end of season four and what he's thinks he's seeing is not what he's actually seeing what is not what what is not actually there mm-hmm. kind of like the holodeck on star trek the next generation yes exactly like that because i've definitely seen that one are um, you serious right now <laughs> i don't know if i can move forward with this podcast oh shut up there's plenty of movies you haven't seen <laughs> we could do this all day so let's just move on all right good point <laughs> Uh, okay, so thinking about that reaction or that interpretation of the opening scene, mm-hmm. was your reaction to that positive or negative? I didn't have a negative reaction to it, but I don't know that it, I, was, I'm, I'm it thinking, was positive either. I think it was just, you know, like roll okay. with it type of thing. Sure. sure. I'm thinking like as of as in like the reward we got based off of the cliffhanger. I was fine with it with one exception, and that is I wanted a good shot at who he was really speaking to. 
the glimpse we got in the mirror was the same that we got at the end of the cliffhanger. I wanted that revealed. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming they didn't reveal that for a very specific purpose. They wanted us to guess. They wanted to build up. And I can certainly appreciate that. But that mm-hmm. was the only thing. I was, I've been waiting all summer or more longer than that to figure out who that was. And while we saw who he saw, we didn't see who it was. And so that was right. the one thing that I was a little disappointed with. You? Okay. That's what I was fishing for because okay. <laughs> like it was after, after having that uh, review preview podcast so fresh in my mind and sitting down to watch this episode, I immediately went like, Oh my gosh, we were totally wrong. <laughs> you know, because everybody Everybody was just assuming that it was a new alien race, and here it is, his dead wife. And of course, you know, as as the opening scene progresses, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's not actually his wife. He's he's reliving a memory that he can acknowledge as a memory, and but still, like that that initial reveal that it's actually Rebecca made me go, oh. <laughs> but that being said, later on, as as uh, pieces of the memory come back into play through the plot line. It was more rewarding to see him catch the inconsistencies in that memory mm-hmm. and start to unravel it in that way. So on my second watch, oh my gosh, I picked up so much more on my rewatch than I did with that initial reaction and going, wait a sec, Rebecca, you know, it took it took my head a while to catch up with what was going on. Yeah. What I did love in that scene was the... The dialogue. I loved that she was talking about. Oh my gosh. The, 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 I thought the cancer was a perfect analogy to what they're up against. They have a, a cancer that they need to get rid of. She talked about it had been four years and they thought they were through with it. That's not mm-hmm. quite an apples to apples comparison, except that we're four years into this and now we are in that fifth year that we're starting. And I thought that was certainly important. Um, Absolutely. The, everything the, about like her allusions to it, everything was a direct parallel to yes. what's going on. You know, uh, yeah. we need to hit it with both barrels, take back control of our lives. Yeah. Uh, you never know where a rogue cell might be. You have to kill it at its source. And and you, and then and she's the one that actually says you have to get mad and tap yeah. into your rage. And so yeah. all of that was just like, it's like I was saying, like so much more rewarding on the rewatch because I'm picking it up and and thinking about how the events are going to unravel yeah it was it was great and and uh those voices those (laughs) those words that she spoke to him as they echoed through his head throughout the episode or, or i guess we could we could have that discussion was when we heard that voice repeated over and over throughout the episode was it an echo of of him recalling her words or was she some some in some way communicating with him in that moment or in those well, moments. Yeah, I mean, that is... I, I I hesitate to read too far into this because we don't know who the alien race is, but, mm-hmm. but the whole timing thing is very peculiar because, you know, he in, in that opening scene, he stands and looks at himself in the mirror and and that vision of him is exactly what he sees, you know, right when he is cleaning himself up after finding his warrior <laughs> and and it, and, it, and it happens like that periodically through the show you know when woodrow wilson comes back to him but also seeing that bust in the woodrow wilson high school so i mean the the first thing that's coming to my mind is has this already 
I get, I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. It's like, have all, have these events already happened and he is reliving them or is he displaced from time or do, does this new race of aliens have some sort of powers of premonition or ability mm-hmm. to see the future? Because one of those, the early themes from the beginning of season one, when Karen was probably, well, I don't know. When, right after she had been seduced by the Ashveni or whatever, but Skitterized. you know, yes, well, yeah, well, but harnessed, I guess, harnessed, yeah. <clears throat> what I mean, she would she would always just be talking about that uh, the web of reality and how you don't know what you think you know, and that everything is so much more connected than you can than you can even imagine. Mm-hmm. And even back then, I was going, well, that's why they seem to be so far ahead of the humans is because they can almost predict the future with the way that they can read the stars or whatever, you know, hocus pocus they do. So, I mean, to have that come back into play would be really cool. And this is like a very, very easy way to kind of ease us into that paradigm. Well, one of the other phrases we heard over and over again throughout this episode was it's about time. Mm. Did you notice that? No, I did not notice that. But now that you say it, and I just thought I that was weird. I mean, yeah. why that word, why that phrase over and over again? And for me, I'm a time travel. I mean, you you can, you know, if soap operas or reality shows involve time travel, I would probably be interested in that type of programming. <laughs> uh, so when I hear a phrase like "it's about time," my my antenna goes, "Oh, really, fool?" You know. So I'm like, now I'm yeah. like time what does this mean and so i'm probably reading way too much into it but i I thought it was interesting and i'm trying to figure out what to do with it because they they said it a few times so i think Mm -hmm. it's important well that that's very reaffirming because i didn't catch on to that but i was still going that route Mm -hmm. and you just came from it another direction so that's very reaffirming okay well and yeah so the the opening scene on my first watch was a little disappointing but on the second watch very rewarding and i got a lot out of that particularly as he ends up coming up out of Raiden Lake into <laughs> wherever they are now. I, I don't even know. Oh, they're probably in the Charleston area. I think that's where they... Yeah, I think I they're still in, in that area. That's where they were in the ghetto. Um, so I think That's where they were in the still... ghetto. They went west to find mm-hmm. Lexi, and they're still yeah. in that Chinatown place. Okay. Uh, well, near there. I think I think they're in that, near. that neck of the woods. Yeah. Okay. Um, so wherever that is in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I like <mean, laughs> the, uh, yeah, exactly. I liked the inception style of effects that they did where the water comes pouring in. And that's why I'm a little bit curious as to where and how this was taking place. It's not a big issue. I don't think, but you know, I've said that he was on the spaceship, but when that water comes pouring in, I think that is like, in, like we saw in, in the movie inception, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And when you see those elements, come into play when those people are in a dream state that is the natural world kind of coming into their mind and Mm -hmm. and being a part of their dream and i think that's what we got here too when that water comes pouring in that's the moment where he dropped into the ocean so Mm -hmm. in that sense the the dream was still taking place if or vision however you want to whatever term is applied and, and you know, I don't know if they dropped him from space or from ten feet. Probably closer to ten feet than space. But you know, was it fifty feet or a hundred feet? I don't know. But hmm. at some point, he was transported 
you know, did they place him in the water? I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But, but my point is that there's a transference of where he was to then into the water. And all that while the, the dream is still taking place in, in, in mm-hmm. you know, so that, that, that was interesting in, in terms of how they're still able to be in control of him, even though he's, I doubt he was still physically in their ship or in their possession during that specific moment. Hmm. That is, that's probably the key to why um, or how he gets back to just not being aware of that time. Because, you know, theoretically, if he's drifting off through space, he could have been gone for a lot longer than two days. But, you know, depending on speed of light travel and all that good space stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you see yeah. the tweet? I think hmm. it was from Maxim Knight, but it, there were three or four of them that were tweeting during the the premiere the other night, and one of them mentioned that there was a scene that ended up, I don't know if it got cut after filming or, or before. I, I got the impression that it was cut in the writer's room, but it had uh, Tom being brought back to land, being guided back to land by dolphins. <laughs> Which when I when I'm reading the tweet I'm like okay whatever and then it was like hashtag really or something like that so yeah I guess that was really an idea at one point I'm glad they scrapped that that might have been a little bit too that's weird. hilarious <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to buy that because no, I don't right. I, yeah I mean they're not even near the ocean if they went west from Charleston yeah yeah so that would have been just too weird yeah, it's weird. All right. Wow, we spent a long time talking about like this very short scene. How this is going to be like a three-hour-long podcast? We still have the rest well, of the episode to go. That, this conversation is going to be really beneficial for when we start unwrapping the rest of it because it the this opening scene just intersperses itself so much throughout the entire episode. Yeah, and so yeah, we definitely needed to cover it. But it was also really cool. I mean, for. For a show that doesn't really do a whole lot with season premieres, mm-hmm. this one this one had a really good vibe to it, and and it started with this opening scene, and and I don't know if people are going to have the same reaction, maybe only having watched it once, but I really hope that this changes your mind about the episode as a whole, and especially mm-hmm. thinking about where the season will go from from this point finding your rage finding your warrior mm-hmm. yeah i think it really did set the tone for for the season obviously we have no way of knowing that we've only seen the first episode but uh it's, it sure seems like from from where we sit today that that was the intent of that opening scene i also yeah. really liked when when tom does wake up and he's in the water and, and the camera work there i thought was really good how they skipped some frames and kind of jostled it a little bit uh, which we mm-hmm. had seen some of that scene in, in one of the trailers that they had released prior to the season. But then you see the fallen Ashvini ship in the distance there kind of poking out of the ground. And it wasn't as, as uh, like uh, the emo- emotional for me uh, as when I saw the, the downed um, Star Destroyer in the new, the latest Star Wars trailer. You know, when I saw that, I like physically yelled out loud you know my wife was like what is going on in there she really did she came in to check on me like what are you what's wrong so i didn't have that type of reaction here Mm -hmm. but it was it was a similar thing where you see that downed ship and it's it's a it's a shift in power i mean what that represents is is a is a a, that there's a huge ship and a symbol of power and to see it fallen was 
was a really important element that I, I'm really glad they put in into the screen. Mm-hmm. And then reinforcing it right away with uh, with Anne and Weaver going to confront the second mass and tell them, you know, even though it does not seem like Tom and Lexi are going to return to us, they did succeed. And then they go on to say, uh, you know, that, um, what was it, half of the fleet has actually fled the planet, something along those lines. And Yeah, I didn't make note of that number, but it, yeah, it was pretty substantial. Very substantial. Yeah. So not only have a number of... What 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 did you call the ship that had crashed? Is it just I call an it overlord a ship? ship. I, I a finish. They're yeah. they're one of the main hubs mm-hmm. or whatever, and mm-hmm. there were three of them at least that they knew of that went down in the area that the Volms uh, detector could pick up on. So there there have been significant casualties to the Shveni ranks, and and recognizes that and says we have to take advantage. But <laughs> before they get there. Of course, Weaver wants to go on the defensive, build up their barriers and ensure that they can all last through the night. Uh, But um, Hal certainly is taking up his father's shoes. We got to bring the fight to them. (laughs) We got to take them out while they're weak. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I think Weaver was all for that, but he also saw the importance of, of surviving through the night. You know, don't put your guard down so that they can get us while we're celebrating. I mean, that's the last thing you want. Um, but I, you know, I kind of tend to decide a little bit more with Hal here, where I didn't see the um, the benefit of throwing a few more bricks into that wall. You know, spending all that time and energy into. Yeah. I mean, it didn't look like they were making their fortification that much stronger but whatever yeah yeah i don't know what the better option would have been here but if if they're not being attacked at the moment they have to take advantage of their sleep or of getting Mm -hmm. sleep and resting up after all that they've just been through Mm -hmm. so but yeah i know it's i know the peace isn't gonna last especially after right (laughs) what happened at the high school but at least for now. Yeah, I don't know, but... Yeah. What were your stuff. thoughts on Tom's interaction or confrontation <laughs> with the Black Hornet? I had forgotten what those things were called. I had to look that up. The flying skitter oh, thingy. Flying... Yeah. Uh, it was It was interesting to see him remember the memory and then yeah. go back and beat it further. And, mm-hmm. you know... I understand, and I, and I know that he's, like, taking that memory seriously. You've got to find your rage. But, I mean, the only thing worse than an arrogant leader who doesn't delegate is one that uses rage in order to fuel all of his plans. I mean, I, I, am, I know that I'm not going to like him as a leader if he continues to be a leader throughout this season. And I, I have a fear of where they're going with a lot of the allusions to historical references, but I, I, I mean, I totally understand, but it's kind of leading in that direction where you go, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like the path that he has to go to in order to hit rock bottom and then come back up again. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard, <laughs> but I'm hoping that it'll be rewarding because it is the final season and we've got to put these characters in a place where we can believe that they can continue on after the show ends. So, you know, that's just kind of what I'm hoping for, but 
it's a yeah. dark path. <laughs> well, I, I I think that's a very legitimate concern to have. Um, and too with with what she did with the slow kill, talking to the skitter while she's killing it. To me, I think that bothered me more than than Tom's rage. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it was just the way it affected me. It wasn't that she was a woman. That definitely wasn't it. It was just. To me, there's a different. It, it's it's like a cold serial killer type of thing where you want to look into your victim's eyes as the light fades out of them, and to me, that's just so much in a more darker than it is where you're in a rage and killing something because of what it has done to you, which hmm. is what I felt Tom was was doing. So I'm I'm kind of more concerned for her at this point than I am for Tom. It's it's really interesting how they're they're kind of equal in their brutality mm-hmm. and and they don't really see eye to eye on that they right i mean right. because because i can it's funny because i can relate to not relate <laughs> wrong word i can understand Anne's uh approach <laughs> better than i can understand tom's <laughs> been wow. so killing okay. some aliens have you there <laughs> no 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 <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, did not mean that. Um, <laughs> but no. It, but I think the rage, the rage part of it, leads Tom to do something like throw that pawn guy, the no name guy on mm-hmm. their team, into the skitters and have the guy just torn apart. I mean, it's it's almost like he's lost sight or lost respect for life in a way. Yeah, that was a hard scene too, and you could tell that it really affect, affected um, Matt in you know a pretty negative way, or, or you know it was more than he was was thought he was walking into when he when he walked into the uh, you know, volunteered for battle that day. Um, so that uh-huh. was definitely hard, but at the same time, and again, I think we're just coming from it from different perspectives here. That didn't bother me as much. The guy is dead. What are you going to do? Yes, you do want to you know honor the fallen. Sure, absolutely. But it's not like doing what he did where by making him a trap and putting the strapping the bomb to him uh, or near him uh, really affected him or his life at all because he was dead. But it was a hard thing for sure. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it just goes back to the respect for life and even the mm-hmm. body. But I totally agree. It's like the body is just a vessel. So after the spirit leaves it, you know, it's nothing essentially anymore. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know how I feel about that. But it, it did. That was more disturbing to me than Anne killing the skitter in the way she did. Yeah. But and, and Mickey here in OKC, who's in the chat room, he's you know when I ex- expressed what I did about Anne's killing method earlier, uh, he says that he didn't see it that way. He saw it as that she was killing it out of necessity and not out of rage. And I certainly agree that she wasn't, it didn't seem like she was um, killing out of rage. If she was, it was a very controlled rage and not an, you mm-hmm. know, like, like, you know, that type of rage, not, not like an incredible Hulk type of rage, but it was, it was just the slow look into your, look into my eyes, why I kill you type of thing that I thought was a little bit alarming. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, she was Sorry, in a rage last she... season though, right? What? She was in a rage last season when she's trying to find Lexi. Right. Well, and I was just going to reference that. It, w- the last time she killed a skitter like that, she was consumed by rage. Mm-hmm. So she probably was trying to take a more compassionate role <laughs> in this way. Because like I, I kind of saw her saying, let go, as in 
like you're not going to win this mm-hmm. and I'm not I don't want to have to slash you up. <laughs> I just want you to die mm-hmm. rather than than have my rage consume me because even after she when when she and Tom were discussing their different methodologies, she said that she didn't want to be consumed by rage, but she also didn't want to be consumed by the depression. And so right. how to find a balance in there and still be adamant about winning this war. I don't know. I, I, that fire can die pretty easily, but mm-hmm. especially when everybody around you is engrossed in rage, but we'll see. I think I like her balance and, and last season when she was so soldieresque and, and <clears throat> driving the, her crew toward Lexi, that was hard for me to watch. And in, in this version of her, seems much more stable and i like that she's kind of coming back into that mother role Mm -hmm. yeah and they've all as we mentioned last week they've all lost so much this week no exception we mentioned the red shirt that died obviously a a very prominent cast member also died that we will we will certainly get to so there's plenty of fuel for that rage or for for motivation to get the enemy while they can to get you know take them down while they're on the run um mm-hmm. so uh, but but I think you're you're very valid in being concerned for how this does eventually come to an end at the, at the end of the day when the aliens have been eradicated what are we going to be left with are we going to be left with a bunch of savages who have lost their minds because of this mental state that they've had to put themselves into or Mm -hmm. is there going to be you know are they going to be able to come back and 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 recognize humanity and give us hope for a you know a civil and caring uh, and just uh, society for the future and i i think that i'll just go ahead and say it here in, in the podcast i think that points to tom not making it through the season alive there's a couple other reasons too but that's i think that what we saw in this episode was a theme of a small theme of uh the next generation or, or the children being the future. You know, we saw that on the marquee, mm-hmm. for example, there was something else that was said and I meant to make note of it on, on my second watch and it didn't hit me the way it did the first time. And so I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, but there was another something that triggered uh, this idea that, that maybe because last week we talked about, does a Mason have to die? And we kind of said yes and kind of said no. And not the answer to that problem. Tom does satisfy that if if a Mason must die, so I think I think he will. Hmm. And, and because yeah. of the different mental state that he's in with with his rage right now and leading these people, he may be at a place too far gone by the time this is all said and done. But his boys won't be. Right. That's a that's a hard one because mm-hmm. I I that's a, it's a really good um, thing to think ahead to because. When you get so engrossed in that rage, how do you come out of that? How do you settle down from that? And can you ever go back to being the way that you were? And I think soldiers know that that mindset better than anyone. Yeah. I've I've heard several stories from my brother just about, you know, how do you how do you keep yourself from being consumed by that? 
but he's also not in in the same type of leadership role because you have to completely embody the person who needs to lead this team needs to lead this militia into battle mm-hmm. and it's it's so much more world war one than it is anything modern day yeah well i guess i guess i shouldn't make that judgment but well no but I, it I, seems I, like i understand why you're you're bringing the parallel end up world war one uh, do you want to go ahead and, and share that with us now because i know you did some research on this which i saw in your notes which i thought was really interesting yeah i i mean this this was like this was one of the things that made me start thinking about where the season is going because of the Woodrow Wilson bust and then also Woodrow Wilson High School because you know that he was president during World War One. He kept us out of World War One until Germany continued to ignore our um our non entry and bombing our ships and stuff. So he finally introduced us into the war. And once World War One was all over and America is perceived as the heroes, he presents the 14 points and the last of which is uh, a proposal for the formation of the United Nations, or I think he proposed it as like the League of, Na- of Nations or something. And so just thinking about how there are over 300 militia groups across the world now uniting that the Volm have discovered, I can't help but think that you know, they're, of course, pointing to Tom as the leader because they say, uh, what, did, what did they say? Um, they lack organization and leadership, of course, right. because, you know, only only the second mass can have any sort of organization or understand what's going on at all. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just thinking about how perhaps they're trying to use that model in order to show us where we're going to beheaded this season is very interesting to me i'm not saying that it is but i mean it's certainly more telling than anything else we've had so far (laughs) but yeah a lot of interesting things there are a lot of interesting parallels i don't know if they're trying to make tom woodrow wilson or or if they're just using that as a a model for what's going forward but i mean that's just what i was saying in the review preview podcast is is this is what i want from this show it it makes these incredible allusions to history and uses them as a model to unravel what's going on because history repeats itself and so i would totally be okay with that it would Mm -hmm. be so awesome to see this show unite various disparate groups around the world in a way that could never have been done prior to an alien invasion. You know, right. the, the human race is devastated and it is now that we can actually unite these disparate groups. Yeah. And what a great message that, that is. And when, when you think yeah. about what the last three weeks have looked like here in the United States with uh, race shootings and same sex marriage uh, debate that has uh, that is still waging, even though the Supreme Court has made their decision, it has caused, in some ways, a lot of bridges. I mean, what we saw in in, <laughs> in South Carolina, of all places, um, mm-hmm. was was a lot of hope, and you know, uh, reaching across the aisle or across the the divide uh, to bring unity where where hate was the motivation. Um, what we've seen with the with the Supreme Court decision has not nearly been that at all. In some cases, it has been. But what I have seen in my Facebook timeline feed has been a whole lot of division. And that's mm-hmm. what we are. We like to look at 
differences in what we uh, have, whether that's you know uh, uh, gender differences, skin color differences, ideological differences, religious differences, whatever it is, and use those as separations between us. And so it, it, it's it's kind of a neat uh, parallel or, or um, backdrop, I guess, for for what we're seeing here in Falling Skies, because you're absolutely right. It's going to take an alien invasion for humanity to go, you know what, we're not quite so different after all. Maybe we can set aside our differences, look at what we have in common, and move forward together because we're all better mm-hmm. together. Because mm-hmm. there are days when you wake up and you think, that, hey, you know what, humanity's all right, we, we, we made a step forward. And then, and then you look at, you know, what people can say behind the veil of social media and you go, gosh, humanity's just lost their minds and there is no hope. Right? I mean, oh, they, uh, I, mean. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a great, so it's, it's a, that's yeah. why I love about this show. It, it allows mm-hmm. us to have some really interesting and, and relevant conversations about these things. Yeah. There are, are definitely possibilities in this show to have a practical application for a lot of social justice theories that have been tossed around in the last decade or mm-hmm. century, really. <laughs> Longer than that, probably. Yeah. Now, Mickey says that would last for a month. I guess you mean then we would start putting up, uh, noticing our differences and putting up walls again. You never know. Yes. You never know. We'll always find something to divide. Yeah. That's <laughs> something about our, our uh, humanity. But um, it sure makes for an interesting uh, way of, of discussing uh, current events through this. Right, so did did the Woodrow Wilson and the, and the World War II uh, possible uh, tie-ins or, or lessons to be learned, or like you said, history repeats itself, did that satisfy what you were looking for from the show in terms of historical references yes. and tie-ins? Absolutely. And that is what ultimately made this episode for me. Yeah. And and I, I'm not saying that it executed perfectly because I'm, I'm still just really frustrated by Tom. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, as far as accepting character arcs go, I feel like I am more accepting than most people. Like I, I'll, I'll read into it until I understand why someone is acting the way that they act. But I mean, just with all of the references to Epictetus last season and then completely making that ironic in his final couple episodes. And especially now (laughs) I just, it just wasn't working for me. And now this definitely brings it all back in. So yeah, I'm glad. However, now that Tom has actually flown a beamer to the moon, I have a, I have a fear that he's going (laughs) to be using that, line that he said to Anne, you know, we we went to the moon. Don't tell me this scares you. <laughs> I'm be using <laughs> yeah. that a little bit more often now. <laughs> we went to the moon now. What do you want? Is it a little bit old hat and far-fetched that once again Tom Mason goes into some outlandish circumstance and yet somehow finds his way miraculously back with the second mass? Or is it was it was it more acceptable this time because he was well and I guess in past times too he seems to have been placed back where he needed to be. I for that one I think only time can tell. Yeah, because it will entirely depend on the story behind how he got back. True. Yeah. I saw some things on, on, on social media that were, were kind of like, oh, really? Again? But for yeah. me, it, it, it doesn't feel like that because in each time 
there's there's been a reason what I thought was a reasonable um reason for him to to show up. <laughs> I think what's yeah. what's more far fetched is that Tom Mason seems to be the only person on earth that the that the Ishvini have cared to threaten or interact with. And I, it, I, like you said earlier, really Tom Mason's the only one that can lead our, you know, there's 317 yeah. militias out there and Tom Mason's the only one that seems far fetched, but what, you know, but, 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 but to that point about the 317 militias, I, at that point I, I was glad they introduced that fact when they did, because my, the, the question that was running through my mind at, at that moment was, Okay, great. So the second mass have done something great here in Charleston area, but what about the rest of the world? I mean, mm-hmm. what's going on everywhere else? This is only one small pocket of the entire world. So that did help right. to kind of answer that question. Because we know from last season that those ghettos were put up all over the world. Right. And, we, and we now we have Dingan, who was in Johannesburg. So we know that they're everywhere and eventually, in order to resolve this problem, you have to address that. Mm-hmm. And and I and you know, I think that they're doing a good job of opening that door. It's it's kind of just cracked. You know, somebody's got their foot in there right now. But but I, I mean, it's definitely on its way open. And I just really hope they keep driving toward that. Yeah, so that's that's a good direction. There, uh, I think the scene that I'm thinking of is when they're trying to determine where the overlord is because he's in a five mile radius yes and and they're pointing out the structures that could potentially house them and Mm -hmm. he goes it's the woodrow wilson high school and and then he just kind of leaves (laughs) i mean first of all his instinct there would make me more inclined to say that aliens have influenced his brain Maybe even an eye worm, okay. <laughs> but not. I mean, I, I don't think it's an eye worm, but I mean, that's the, the the exact kind of thing he would do before when he was being influenced or any of them were being influenced. But I just his unwillingness to tell people why he is so certain just gives more credibility to it being an alien influenced war plan instead of anything else. And and I just don't understand how how. The, he's worked with these people side by side for so long and still doesn't do them the courtesy of explaining himself. I mean, it's probably not been five years or four years, but it's been a long time that he's been with these people. They have seen him through a lot of stuff where he has made some outlandish claims and yet he still offers no explanation. I just. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I look, I see your point. Um, I, I think that we, I, I, I like that you're looking at it through what I feel like you're doing is looking at it through the eyes of, of what Weaver and Anne should, should be doing in that situation. Like, mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. on, really? You're just, cause we know why he wanted, why he knew that was the answer. We had the perspective of being the, in seeing what he saw during the opening mm-hmm. scene. Um, just like we know why he didn't want Anne to wear the triskelion, triskelion, that was called triskelion. Yep. Yeah, um, I was really bothered that he said, "Yeah, I'll tell you later." No, tell her then. Right. Why? Yeah. You, same you, thing. You want her to not wear that because that's significant. What we saw that what the meaning of that was in that spaceship where only the Overlord and Lexi and Tom were there. 
He's the only one now that knows the truth of that. He should tell mm-hmm. her that. He shouldn't just yes. tell her to put it away and then I'll tell you later. Show her the respect yeah. of knowing why. Because she's, she's holding that close as one of the last mementos that she has of her daughter. So I think that, mm-hmm. that to me bothered me, I think, more than, than the scene that you're talking about. But I think they both point back to the, the same core oh, issue. Absolutely. They're totally equal in that regard because he's doing the exact same thing. He's not respecting the people around him to accept what he's telling them. If if he tells them that he had a memory, you know, and and there were these random things. I mean, how many times have you had a dream? Like I have I when I when I was in school, I used to dream in code. I would dream in Java and then I would wake up the next morning <laughs> with a solution to my problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, sorry, I'd say my throat. Like, it's it's only when you're when you let your mind rest from a project that you haven't been able to solve that it actually relaxes enough to be able to connect the things that you've been missing. So right. it's not that far of a stretch to say I had this memory and a couple things have become a lot more clear. <laughs> you know? And and even in in the in the scene that you're talking about, that wasn't even a dream. That was real life. Right. And so he has a legitimate explanation for why she should not wear that necklace. And you're totally right. It was just it was disrespectful. And I think this all is pointing back to when you let rage guide your life and guide your decisions, it's based off irrational choices. And you're not you're not respecting reason almost mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and and for how much they were trying to say that you know you're i don't know the end of last season was so much about him trying to convince us that the universe is fundamentally rational and and it just did not work out i mean it was it was so ironic like i've been saying but i don't know it's just he's he's taking a step back from that he's taking two steps away from rationalize rationalizing anything and just saying it is the way it is because i said so and that that doesn't fly for me at all yeah yeah of course it did turn out to be exactly where they needed to go um well let's talk before we talk about the the overlord and and what happened there at the high school i want to talk about the skitters because that was one clue that we, that was the big clue that we had uh, that they had that there was an overlord still in the five mile radius, and that was that some skitters were really like out of their minds, feral acting, and some skitters were very very organized. You know, I hear mm-hmm. Akbar going, "It's a trap," you know, over and over. <laughs> um, so, I, I guess what I want to ask you are, is your thoughts about the skitter behavior that we got in this episode, and uh, and then kind of segue into uh, the the uh, attack on the school. I really enjoyed seeing the differences between controlled skitters and uncontrolled skitters because even extending back into eh, I think it was season one mm-hmm. when 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 uh the the uh rebels what did we call them the rebel skitters yeah. uh had had come to talk to tom there they they had an element of sanity about them that enabled them to have that kind of a conversation with tom without being controlled by the overlords so i i j- it's just as curious to me to wonder if like when when the power source went down, if something snapped and affected the way that these skitters behave when they're not around an overlord, 
or or what's actually going on there because they were acting like wild animals like hell said you know they're ripping each other apart feeding on anything and yet we have seen them behave rationally outside of overlord control so it feels like there's something else going on yeah that's i'm so glad you brought that up about the rebel skitters because i had completely forgotten about that and so based on that being the farthest thing from my mind i was equating it to the walking dead these now are there's nothing controlling their mind at all not themselves not an alien overlord therefore they're just zombie skitters acting purely on instinct and nothing mm-hmm. else and uh but i love that you mentioned the rebel skitters because that neither is you know an inconsistency in in the writing or uh, something else at play. I, I do think it was significant. They showed us two types of skitter behavior in this episode. The first mm-hmm. time we had really seen these uh, uh, animalistic types of um, of skitters before. So I do think there is some significance there. But it could just be to to note the difference between the two skitter groups and therefore lead them to the uh, the overlord. Hmm. I'm, I'm, hmm. Yeah. You mentioned the the rebels. So now I'm. I'm I don't know. Well, I, don't know. I mean, to a certain extent. It seems as though the skitters have an element of free will. Mm-hmm. And it seems, you know, just like Ben and the harness and the spikes or whatever, there there's a degree of control, but then there's also a degree of um, autonomy. Mm-hmm. And because of because we've seen that in Ben and other harnessed kids, I would be more inclined to say that it's possibly just a side effect of the power cord going down. But yeah, because I, I, I feel like there's there's some there's probably something bigger at play there. But I was really I was really hoping that we would be able to meet genuine skitters. Like like you were saying, maybe uh the race that's coming back yep. is actually their original form. I and still think I, that I was like okay. I, I really don't know what I think anymore, but I, I would really like to see that. And I was mm-hmm. hoping, well, I shouldn't say I was hoping, but I was, as I was trying to contemplate what was going on there, I'm going, well, this definitely is not a race of aliens that would come back to save everyone. I mean, if this is how they are naturally, then what the Ashveni did was almost merciful. <laughs> they gave them purpose. They mm-hmm. gave them order. And, you know, I mean, of course, that's terrible to say you we're merciful to you by enslaving you but yeah <laughs> but but it's also i mean it, it would just be like any type of animal then you can't really think of them as living beings with a conscience uh, well i don't know they're aliens so i don't know if we can even debate that <laughs> we, we don't have a book about their mythology so insofar as we can decipher i don't really have a great answer for that but It'll be interesting to see how that unravels. Yeah, I think only time is going to tell on on what is really happening here with the with the skitters. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, the attack on the school. <laughs> what do? What were you? I th- I think I'll just say I I thought it was fine, except that. Uh, if they're trying to do a sneak attack, the the lights on the ends of all the guns are just not very smart. That was the only thing that bugged me. I mean, from a, a hey, we need light in the shot to to be able to see what's going on and, and the effects that it gave. Hey, stylistically, it was cool. Practically, what? 
<laughs> so that was but that was my only beef with the with the way it went down. What about you? Well, I guess my beef is that they were herded and attacked at the last place that they tried to infiltrate. They tried to go blow up that ship that had fallen into the tree, mm-hmm. and clearly they the skitters were lying in wait, ready to ambush them. Right. So that didn't occur to them at all. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They're <sighs> Whenever you go inside of a building to attack, mm-hmm. that just seems like you're asking for it. Sure. I mean, sure. why not just blow the whole thing up? <laughs> or yeah, uh, you know, yeah, that's a great point. It, I guess I expected that, so I didn't really think too much of it. Um, but and maybe they didn't blow it up because they wanted to make sure they got the overlord, and maybe they, you know, ne- yeah. they needed to see it happen. Maybe. Yep. Um. Yeah. Or maybe they just thought that they had enough people that they could take it, take them all. You know. But I mean, why send? denny off on her own then oh wait she was with anthony wasn't she She was so why send denny and anthony off on their own i mean oh yeah and i'm not sure we just have a moment of silence for denny (sighs) yeah yeah Mm. although honestly i thought she died last season in the swamp fog thing early too you know not before not not when it came to them but when they were out in the field i thought she died Mm -hmm. then um so then i was happy when i saw her well now she actually is is dead She's the girl who never dies. This is yeah. a sci-fi show, so she might not actually be dead. They did burn her body, too. There's that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. Yeah. Which, have we ever seen them burn bodies before? They buried them. We know they had done a lot of burying of bodies. Well, wasn't she torn into bits? So maybe... She, she was... Uh, she was... Uh, yeah. She was ripped in half. Or at least ripped yeah. apart. Yeah. Yeah, pretty gruesome. I'm, they didn't show it; they just showed her getting grabbed from both ends, and then they showed a nice blood splatter. Oh, all over Anthony! Oh my yeah, goodness, poor Anthony! Poor Anthony! That was traumatizing. I bet. And I did like how they showed that her death, although how it affected everyone. Anthony obviously witnessed it, and they were very close. But Ben had a special connection with her because they were spiked. And although Maggie has spikes too, it, it, it's a little bit different because she's still relatively new to them. Ben and Denny had gone on this journey together. And so it definitely affected mm-hmm. him in a different way. And I liked that they addressed that in some way. And so now it just seems like it's Ben and Maggie who remain with spikes, doesn't it? Yeah, I, that's right. Unless they're going to just show us another kid who's been roaming around having spikes that we haven't seen. So Yeah, that would but be the I way I think to everyone else it. got them removed. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. So that's going to be the feel for them, I would think, going into this next chapter. At least for Anthony, he made it pretty clear that that was going to be where his rage was coming from. Yep. I... I feel like it's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. Yeah. But I also don't see how you can avoid it getting any worse because that was horrible. But okay. Okay. So we're in the high school. Yep. And they are in the gym. Yep. All the, all the skitters are racing out from behind the bleachers because that's where they were hiding. Mm -hmm. And, but, but Tom's attention is drawn away from the fight by the inner monologue the memory from the memory. Right. And he sees the bust of Woodrow Wilson and starts going down the stairs. And the, the voiceover is referencing the, the, um, there, there could be a, 
hidden cell anywhere, something along those lines. Okay, uh, I don't remember exactly what was being voiced there. You you never know where a rogue cell might be. You have to kill it at its source. Oh, and so yeah. he's remembering that as he walks down the stairs, seemingly just instinct that there, the overlord will be down there, which <clears throat> is now a shout out to the whole time thing. You know, like how how did that memory, how was that memory able to tell him where to go? Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting that we only get this memory and pretty much every every hint that was dropped in the memory has been fulfilled. So I don't know if if that's just what the aliens needed to give him in order to give him that thrust forward sure. or whatever, but Yeah, well they will they continue to communicate memories to him to keep, take him to the next right. moment. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, so, yeah, he finds the Overlord. Ben is down there, which I don't know. I guess he lured Ben away or something. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how Ben got down there. And, and obviously, once they make connection, uh, maybe maybe that's what he did, is he was able to make connection with Ben and pull him down there. Right, uh, because he did say that your son is the only leverage that I have right now. Yeah, so. I loved what Tom said. Well, you know what? I could shoot you and kill you, and he'll only have a headache. And then, boom, without delay or hesitation, he does that. I thought it was the exact right move by Tom to oh, make. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was peculiar that the Overlord thought that he had any leverage on Tom and was... What was that? It just didn't seem very smart of him. I have no idea. I mean, unless he, like, transferred his consciousness into Ben. But, you know, when when Anne was beating the Overlord last season mm-hmm. and the bruises started appearing on Ben, you know, mm-hmm. and he felt the brunt of what right. that's what I thought was going to happen in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh no, Barb is going to be right and Ben is gone." <laughs> yeah. Like just a bullet appears through his head, but I he was able or Ben disconnected somehow. Maybe the the gunshot just surprised the overlord and he didn't have that chance to make a connection, but Yeah. Maybe but he's I, just but I mean, so that's weakened. definitely where my mind went. Yeah, maybe maybe and maybe they're just so weakened right now. He that was his last that was the only thing he could do was to try and leverage Ben and it failed and that was the end of it. I don't But even don't if know. even by leveraging Ben, what was he hoping to get out of that meeting? Or or was he just hiding down there, maybe, until everything passed? But I mean like if if you try to go up the stairs, you're gonna be surrounded by the second mass. <laughs> uh I just I don't understand what that was all about, except yeah. you know last ditch effort, last ditch effort to just survive. So. Yeah, that's I mean that's the only thing that makes sense is they're going to find me no matter what. I might as well pull Ben down here and use him. It's the only it's the only play I have, and it was a hail mary, and he fumbled it. <laughs> Maybe you know, I don't know. That's that's a good point because like. In comparison to the last couple seasons, this is the first time the Ashveni have had to go on defense. That's right. So maybe That's they right. just don't know how to play defense. Maybe. Yeah. Box out. Like the Green Bay Packers last season. You know what? We're not going to do that right now because it's too soon. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. You know, what they could do is just take a knee on third down in the middle of the field and then punt it. That would be a good... Oh, too soon? <laughs> Still too soon. <laughs> okay. Knee and right. throw down and then punt it. <laughs> oh, that was a traumatizing game. I'm st- still reeling. 
Come on, Packers. At least I Sorry. got to see Clay Matthews in Pitch Perfect 2 <laughs> singing Bootylicious. That was awesome. <laughs> well, this might not be a surprise. I know I don't watch a lot of movies, but I very intentionally did not see Pitch Perfect 2. I've actually seen like what? two or three movies this that summer already. So. Totally shocks me. I know. Wow. I know. All right. Um, anyway. I think we have one scene left to talk about. Is that right? Or we do we have more than that? The uh, the final well, scene. We'll have one and a half. Yeah. So okay. the final scene, they're burning Denny's body, yeah. and a bug starts buzzing around Tom, and he slaps it and yanks it off his neck where it's bitten him, mm-hmm. and kind of glowing blue, fairy alien esque. What do you think that thing is? I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Daryl, you're supposed to have these answers. We've, we've, I mean, look, the bugs that we have seen in this show, and we've seen a variety of them, have all been Ishvini induced or, or tech, if you will, right? So mm-hmm. I'm, I, my thought immediately goes to that. And by the way, I will say too that the bugs have always been pretty, uh, pretty, pretty useful, pretty, have worked pretty well. I don't know why they don't use more of them, but. Whatever, maybe they're not good at offense either. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on with the bug. Uh, did it plant something into him? Was it, mm-hmm. did, was it trying to do something and he stopped it? Is it a sign of an oncoming swarm? Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, if we have to decide between it being part of the alien race that is on Earth right now, and the alien race that we're proposing might be coming in to help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I have to err on the side of it being a Shveni made. Yeah. And based on all of the hybridization that they were doing last season, I am wondering if this is a byproduct of that. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, but that was an interesting. I really have no ending. basis for that other yeah. than just a theory. But yeah, it, yeah. And at this point, I don't even know whether to be grossed out by it or what. But it certainly took a chunk out of his neck, and and it's glowing blue, which yeah. has been a color that they're using for the Ashveni and like the spikes and stuff. So yeah. That's just my only inclination to <laughs> it planted a worm. X Force Eleven said it planted a worm. Oof. And like when, an eye worm. Hey, that's a possible it could have injected something into him. Yeah, and since he's already been checked and and cleared, you know, is he gonna be forthright and say, Hey, this bug landed on me and you need to check me again, or is he just gonna kinda play it out mm. and then it'll be too late because he thought he could, you know, control everything. Yeah. I have a feeling that this is one thing that he will bring to Anne at, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Maybe not everyone, but it'll maybe maybe the opening scene of next week will be a swarm of bugs attacking them all. Yeah, <laughs> and then they'll then we'll know for sure. Yeah. But, what was the other scene? You said a scene and a half. What was the half scene, or was a that scene the and half, half scene? Okay, well, I saw a note that you had here about the love triangle, and so I felt oh, we should I probably address note. this. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, we got a little bit uh, of the uh, Hal and Hal's trying to get his girl back from Ben this week. Uh, what would you? What were your thoughts? Was that? Did you like that, Miss Love Triangle? Well, <laughs> okay, 
for one. I did not say I loved love triangles. Um, I believe your but, exact quote was, I love love triangles. I mean, that's why I have my Triforce shirt on tonight. I'm representing Ben and Hal and Maggie in the middle. Oh, are you now? Just for you. No, but that's a nice story, yeah. isn't it? I'm totally fangirling right now. Oh, my gosh. Ah. Anyway. I hope I never have to say the word fangirling again. That'll be the last time I ever say that. <laughs> well, anyway. I have recorded, so I can now make you say oh, it any time I want. <laughs> fangirling. <laughs> okay, the only thing I wanted to say on this is that as even as you were talking about how this might the season might be it for Tom, that there's no coming out of this, mm-hmm. I have been thinking for a long time that they are preparing Hal to take over for Tom. And I yeah. and I thought that if if Tom didn't come back right away at the beginning of this episode, then it would be Hal stepping mm-hmm. up and taking his father's role. And in a lot of ways he is very much emulating the leadership, the the good leadership qualities that he sees in his dad. You know, he 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 sees what his dad does wrong and tries to veer away from that. But really when, when Hal, you know, picks Maggie up and tells her that she, that he loves her and he wants her to break Ben's heart so that they can be together. You know, I just, I have to stop and and wonder if this is a very pivotal moment in his character's arc that will make him fundamentally different from his father, because that is not something that Tom would do. And either it's going to be to his advantage because, you know, on the one hand, a girl is never going to complain when a guy says that to her, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and and so he's he's being bold and he's he's being very forthright about what he wants, acknowledging both sides of the issue. But at the same time, he's being very selfish and and there there is a balance there. He's, he has the right to be a little bit selfish here because. You know, it's it's his relationship with the woman that he loves. But still, I feel like that is a very telling part of his of his personality that we have seen extend through the seasons mm-hmm. that might ultimately influence whether or not he can take over for his father. So yeah. that's all I had to say on that part. Yeah, I like that. And I think, as look, he can't just sit idly by and and let his brother take his girl. He ne- he did need right. to to assert himself, um, but he also needs to respect her her boundary that she has put up. And so we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. Like I'm I'm with yeah. you. I'm I'm not really. I don't care one way or the other how this thing works out. Um, so, but it is it, I. I think he needed to do what he did, but he kind of he kind of needs to be careful and not overly assert himself. I was uh, I had a well, I was emailing with Justina uh-huh. earlier this week, and and she she had made me this nice collage about you know hopefully Ben will survive. It was awesome, but I I it prompted me to look up on IMDb the age difference between the actress who portrays Maggie and the actor who portrays Ben. Do you know Sarah how many Carter years? And what is his name? What is his name? Connor Jessup. Connor Jessup, of course. Uh, she is like 33-ish, and he is 22-ish. Is that right? They're 10 years apart? Pretty close. Yeah? They are 16 years apart. Holy cow, even more than I thought. So she's older than I thought. or Yeah, she's got to be older than I thought. I, I can't remember what exactly their yeah. age or their date of birth 
is. Wow, well, I wouldn't have yeah. guessed that so, that they were that far apart. Because I wouldn't have guessed they were ten. I thought I'd looked it up at some point, and that's what they were. That's where I kind of guessed <laughs> those things. Right. So. I suddenly had yeah. a fear that I'm wrong. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, no. that I was remembering it wrong because I am eight years older than um, Connor Jessup, and she is a couple years older than me. Crap. Okay. Well, he's 21, so he's a little younger than I thought. And her name is okay, Sarah that, Carter. That must have been it. He was younger than I thought he was. Yeah, she's 34, <laughs> so he's 13 year 13 year difference. So, still more than I thought. 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see where that goes. But speaking of Justina, she did send in some feedback for this week. Oh, did uh, she? Do you want to segue into the uh, feedback segmento? Let's do it. All right. Uh, let's start with the written feedback that we got, which came in from Gannon. You know, we heard from him last week. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, we heard we heard from him in terms of uh, you, you pulled up some of his predictions regarding season five. Right. So here he is for right. this season. All right. So he says, overall, I really enjoyed the season five premiere. Most of my predictions were wrong, but oh, well, lots of action and a good story set up for the overall season. I'm really enjoying seeing Tom embracing his inner rage, which I think will spread to other characters as well, i.e. Anthony. The scene with Tom killing the overlord was so much fun, just really shows how far Tom Tom has come and that he really means business. Sad to lose Denny as well, especially in such a gruesome way. Rip. R.I.P. Um, my main no big disappointment <laughs> was, <laughs> was this new alien. We waited an entire year to see what this thing was and nothing. I feel a bit yeah. cheated. I feel this is the time to not continue providing mysteries, but answering them. Thanks to the power of DVR, I was able to freeze the frame uh, to freeze frame it on the alien. Holy crap, this thing is weird looking. My prediction about it being de-harness skitter is now out. I think this is just an entirely new species, very insect-like. Insect-like? Really? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought, too, at the end of last season. I okay. think I made a comparison to the to the aliens that they find at the end of Ender's Game, or the the buggers. Anyway, anyway. I haven't seen that, but but insect like I, I hadn't read book. Gannon's. It's uh, a book. I know I haven't read it either. Um, by the way, it's it's Clint Wickert's favorite book. Is it really? It okay. is. Uh, but but when so I hadn't I hadn't read this before just now. Uh, insect like makes me wonder if it's tied into the bug that bit Tom at the end of the mm. episode. Except that bug just seems too mechanical. I mm-hmm. don't know. It did. The, it did. I don't know. It's it's a great okay. prediction on both sides. I mean, at this point, it's fair game. Okay, so he also says, overall, I really enjoyed Find Your Warrior, and I'm so excited for the rest of the season. Uh, also, a bit of spoilers. Episode two looks like we'll be meeting our big bad in the synopsis. It says, the Ashveni have created something part Ashveni, part Skitter, part Hornet, and part Human. Now, that gets me super excited. Hmm. Part Ishfinny, part skitter, part hornet, part human. So it's got six legs. It can fly. It is tall and humanoid. That's what I'm envisioning. Hmm. I, I can't even... 
can't even picture what that would be. Those are, well, I mean, they probably don't have to look like all of them, but a piece yeah. of them all? I really don't know. That's weird. I don't either. Okay. Okay. I'm looking forward to uh, watching the second episode for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. And finally, uh, he says, and for the bug Tom found, I think it's a tracker for the new aliens keeping an eye on him. So glad Berserker cast is back. Thanks for the podcast. Okay. I like that. I like that it might be a tracker trying to mm-hmm. keep an eye on him. But why would it bite him? To implant something into him. Oh, yeah, that's right. X-Force 11 said the worm. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, we'll see about that. Good stuff. Right. Thanks, Gannon. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. All right, well, let's get into the audio feedback, and we'll kick it off with Justina. Hi, Meryl and Emily. This is Justina with my thoughts on the season premiere of Falling Skies. I give this episode 8 out of 10 rabid skitters. As far as the Twitter poll question, I think it is the perfect question because it was the part that fascinated me the most, which was that mechanical-looking bug that bit Tom. And I have two theories on this. I think that either biting Tom will make him be able to be tracked by the Eshveni because they had to come up with a new way to affect Tom because uh, the Volm has taught the second mass how to detect eye worms with that new piece of technology we were shown, mm-hmm. or the bite of the bug will affect Tom in some way, like make him really sick or make him altered in some way that um, only the Eshveni could help him, which would be some leverage because the overlord was referring to needing leverage. So I'm wondering if the bite will actually make him sick and they'll actually have to go to the Ishveni for help. Those are my two theories on that. And I think it was a great start to the season. Have a good week. I like that last theory that it, mm-hmm. it, it would force them to seek out Ishveni medical care <laughs> that would be the last thing you would expect exactly yeah yeah interesting yeah hmm. thanks justina awesome theories yeah. <laughs> all right and we have some feedback from barb here she is hi emily and daryl this is barb calling in with feedback on the awesome season five beginning of the end to falling skies i'll give this epi nine hornet heads Falling Skies isn't wasting one minute jumping into the action, and I couldn't be happier. Whatever is happening with Tom, however, is a bit unsettling. I did a freeze frame on the alien chick in the mirror, and she had at least five legs, two arms, and two arm thingies coming out of its shoulders. It can read Tom's mind and his memories since it created his wife, Rebecca, and it saw images of his home and knew about the cancer discussion. It knew that the Asfini warlord was at Woodrow Wilson High School and left Tom that hint via the presidential bust. I wondered if this could be a female Asfini leader who was tired of the war, but with the enemy of my enemy line, this must be the third alien group. I also wondered if it could have been a Volm female leader who was tired of the war as well. But Cochise didn't know where the overlord was hiding, and I think a Volm leader would definitely have passed that info along. So I'm going for alien door number three. I like hearing the new 
alien chick say to Tom that to be safe, you needed to be cancer-free for five years. It's been four. We almost made it. A nice shout-out to the fact that this is the final season of Falling Skies. Hmm. I think that the alien kiss must have resulted in a saliva transfer that is controlling Tom, and the glowing blue bug sting at the end is giving him his alien booster shot. It seems better than the eye worms, but this alien rage of Tom's could lead to the death of someone important to him, as rashness often accompanies rage. We know that everyone isn't safe this season, and the death could finally jolt Tom back to his humanness. It was an interesting contrast to Anne, who was on her own driven rage mission a year ago when she was looking for Lexi. The only thing I was unhappy about was how Denny died. I thought the character deserved a better send-off than being ripped apart by two skitters. R.I.P. Denny. Sorry, no pun intended. Can't wait for next week. This is Barb signing out and buying a big can of bug spray. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you there, Barb. Yeah, good thoughts there. She kind of was similar to Gannon where she thought the bug bite at the end might be um, tied into the... She called it a booster shot. I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, she did remind me of a fear that I had at the beginning of the episode. I thought that Tom was going to kiss Rebecca and and pull back, and it was going to be this really ugly-looking creature thing. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I feel like, serves you right for cheating on your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but obviously not not the case. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, her, didn't, I didn't do the freeze frame, though, like she did. It sounded like... Um, Gannon did that as well. Yeah, it? did. Yeah. yeah, he said the one that said insect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but her her uh, reminding us of the the quote and the enemy of my enemy uh, from him being on the ship reinforces the idea that there this is probably a third party that we're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, and again, it still could be a skitter. Like I'm, I'm still sticking with that, but. In a way that would still would be a third party because we've never seen them w- under, without being under the control of the Ashvini. So right. I still think that would qualify uh, as that third party. Right, and and if you know this, the hybridization process of humans had made them so deformed that we got someone like Genie, it's possible that an insect transformed into what we now see as Skitters. So I'm totally. Mm-hmm. I'm totally like my my mind can accept that transformation. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. The insect like that these guys have pointed out. Definitely. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on next week's episode. Uh, you can do that by calling 304-837-2278 or head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can either type out an email contribution or you can upload an audio file or you can use the SpeakPipe widget to send in your feedback. No shortage of ways to send in feedback. We'd love to have your thoughts on next week's episode. What is next week's episode called, Emily? Did you Hunger make pains. Mm, Hunger pains. Hunger pains. Hunger pains. Hunger pains. Hmm. Mm. I'm not sure how that will tie in, but I... Guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, uh, we heard some ratings along the way, but you and I have not given our ratings yet. Right. Uh, we normally do these at the front. I'm not sure how we got them here at the end, but uh, maybe I'm confused. But anyway, what is your rating? I gave it eight alien wife memories. 
And I gave it eight feral skitters. So it was a pretty highly rated. I think we had a three eights and a nine. I'm not sure if Gannon gave a rating, did he? I don't think he did, no. Yeah. Yeah, I think we both had pretty similar reactions to the episode. Uh, maybe a little bit different context, but... Mm-hmm. Which does not happen very often for you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I think we still I don't know if I should be scared or relieved. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, at least there wasn't randomly blowing up pirate ships. So, I tell you what, Emily, we did two Twitter poll questions this last week. Um, we didn't get a great response, so that's okay. We're going to keep doing them, and you can respond this week. We'll have a new one after next week's episode, so make sure you follow us on Twitter. Uh, we don't have a specific Twitter for this specific show. Um, quite honestly, that's something we, we have started doing with all the rest of our shows, but since this is the final season of Falling Skies, we decided not to create a unique Twitter ID, especially since a lot of you were already kind of used to following us over at the main one, which is GSM Podcasts. So follow us over there. We'll send out a question every Monday. You can respond to that. Make sure you use the hashtag BCTwit, BerserkerCast, it and uh, we'll include that with the show so emily we had two questions this week what were the questions so we had one after our last show which uh, if i remember right was how long before tom comes back is that right i believe so um yeah uh something along those lines will he yeah and i'm only seeing one response that is all is that all that you saw too that's all i see too I th- yeah. I see that uh, Barb has, is the only one that's responded to both of our questions. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. We love Barb. We love you know, Barb. We would love for you to, to respond, too. So on the first question about how long will uh, Tom uh, take Tom to come back, she says, I think it will take Tom less than a month to get back to the second mass. Can't waste too much time with only 10 eppies. I don't know that anybody saw him coming back within the first 10 minutes of the episode, but I know. that's that what happened. I was a little surprise. surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so then our second question uh, was what's up with the Tom? Uh, what's up with the Tom bug found? No, what's up with the bug Tom found? Is he a puppet? Is he being watched? And she responds with uh, Tom is being manipulated. The bug just gave Tom his new instructions through that alien love bite. <laughs> so she's kind of going there with Gannon and with uh-huh. uh, oh she she's gosh she just said that and her, herself. Like, Who was the other person? Oh, that was that was actually Barb who said that. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, follow us at GSM Podcasts and the hashtag is BC Twit. You know what? We did get one other response. It came into my personal account. Did not use the BC Twit uh, hashtag. Let me pull it up here. Uh, get to the right Twitter account. And he said, "I don't have any idea." But when it happened, I said, "Oh, f- fill in the blank." <laughs> Who was so, this? Uh, it's a friend of mine, Chris. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. He's, <laughs> oh, fill in the blank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, we gave our contact information. Well, I'll give it out one more time. GoldenSpiralMedia.com slash feedback. The number is 304-837-2278. And the deadline for sending in feedback is Tuesdays at 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Because at Tuesdays at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, we go live with our podcast. We'd love for you to join us over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. Pretty easy to remember. So we have the webcam on. You can see Emily and all her brilliantness. And, uh, you know, I won't be wearing my Zelda shirt next week, but... You know, I mentioned it this week. You could have seen what it looked like. So come join us. So you're missing out. 
pretty much is what yeah. we're saying. That's right. Yep. All right, Emily, All right. any closing thoughts? I don't think so. We covered a lot today, so I hope it's fun. It's so has good time to be back to talking about this. this. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm so oh, yeah. excited for the show. <laughs> I Nine miss talking left. about the show. Uh, oh. we're, we're down to single digits, technically. Should we do a full series rewatch before the end of? No, uh, I, was, I can't I work totally that in. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> I'm going on vacation next week, so I might be able to get that's that right. You'll be at the cabin Probably next week, not. won't you? I will be at the cabin. So. So, uh, Mickey, you'll have to notice yet another location that I will be in. Hopefully, you'll pick up on that. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be outside the cabin window. <laughs> hey, hey, Emily, can I come in? Can I watch? <laughs> yeah, Mickey's a great guy. He actually joined us live for our uh, revolution finale party. He and his wife oh, both right. did. Yeah, they're great that's people. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess we should wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining us for the season five premiere episode of Falling Skies Berserker Cast, and we hope that you will join us next week. And until next time, watch out for flying bugs. See you next time. <laughs>